Well, good morning. morning. How's everybody? Good, good. If you don't know me, my name is John Crawl. I get to be the teaching pastor here. If you're joining us uh, online on our live stream, thanks for hanging out with us today. We're so glad that you could join us via the web. Uh, Today, before we get started and plunge back into our series, Life is Not a Formula, uh, we had shared with you last week that we extended a couple of calls. Those are basically job offers uh, for two positions. One is our student director, one is our family director. Uh, And we extended a call uh, to Anna Zimmerman to serve as our student director. So I'd like you to uh, hear her response. She just sent us uh, a letter letter back, and so I'd like you to hear what she said. So, dear brothers and sisters of Shepherd's Gate, on April 15th, Pastor John Crawl, that's me, (laughs) announced to the congregation the call to me as your student director. We've participated with you in worship, observed your kids and student programs, and talked to many of you about Shepherd's Gate. Through it all, it has been abundantly obvious to RJ and I, that's her husband, that this church is alive with the Holy Spirit and a place that is a home to a family of committed, active believers. After much prayer, it is our joy to announce that we officially accept your call. She was nice enough to take a very hipster picture for us. And send it. She, she called it that, so I can call it that. It was very cool. Uh, no, we're so glad and so excited. And folks, as I say, this has been a two-year journey, uh, but a two-year journey well worth it, as uh, Anna is definitely the right person to be here, to be a part of this church, and to serve in this way. And we are so grateful. Uh, and honestly, two years ago, she wouldn't have been ready for this. So we're so glad that God uh, knew exactly the timing of how things needed to happen, and he's called her here. So keep praying for her. Uh, keep praying for her family, for her husband to find uh, a position here as well in this area. Uh, for her son, Benaya, who gets to come and uh, move closer to grandma and grandpa, so I know they're excited about that. Um, but also for her current church as they go through a time of transition now as well. And continue to pray for Trisha Mayhew as she uh, contemplates the call that's before her to serve as our family director, and we'll be sure to update you on that call as we hear from her. Sound good? Good. Well, today we are continuing our series called Life is Not a Formula. And last week, Pastor Tim kind of shared the news with you that, yes, I'm the one that kind of created this series. So to all of you type A people out there, I'm sorry. (laughs) But the reality is I didn't come up with this. I didn't write this because it's easy for me. Even though I wouldn't consider myself a type A personality, this is something I still struggle with, right? And I think most of us can relate that we love formulas. We love things to be, you know, A plus B equals C. And every time I put A and B in there, I'm going to get C. Like we like that idea. And I think for a lot of it, uh, it doesn't come from a type A personality for me, but instead a fear of missing out. I remember even as a kid, um, it, I was in high school when we went on our first real family vacation uh, down to Disney World. And right, so here I was, a 16-year-old kid, and I literally planned every day of our vacation. Right? I went and got books, and I got planners, and I planned every day and every part because I didn't want to miss out. Because honestly, growing up without a lot of money, I was not expecting to ever get to go back to Disney World ever again. So I was like, I'm going to get to see every part of it. I'm not going to miss anything. I didn't want to miss out on a single aspect of it. And so for me, a lot of times, I, I think this idea of life being a formula, it's, it's kind of is driven by this idea that I want to plan, I want to be prepared for everything so that I don't miss out. Uh, that continued even into my adulthood uh, as, uh, you know, just recently we went uh, to Key West on a cruise and um, it was actually the second time we got to go. The first time it was a complete disaster uh, because I didn't plan anything. I don't know why. I think I was trying to, you know, be like, oh, let's live in the moment. And then we like walked for like five miles and got nowhere. It was great. The island's only three miles long, so I don't know how I walked for five, but that's what it felt like. 
So the second time, well, I'm going to plan this. We're not going to miss out because I don't know if we'll ever get to go back. And I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. And, and so I went on Groupon. Anybody have been on Groupon? Yeah, it's fun, right? Save some money. And I got a, uh, some passes for this trolley tour. It takes you around the island, see all the highlights. So we get off the ship. I'm like, I got a plan. We're ready to go. And we start walking and walking and walking, looking for this company. Where are they at? Finally, I go to a competitor. I, I, I think we walked like a mile. Finally, I went to the competitor. And I said, hey, I can't find them. He said, oh, that's because they went out of business last week. <laughs> are you kidding me? Here, I planned, and it didn't go well, right? Because here's the reality. How do you make God laugh? You tell him your plans, right? <laughs> you tell him your plans. That's how you give God a good chuckle. Like, God, this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. So here's what I would ask you. What is it for you? What is it for you in your life? Because that's the formula we're going to take a look at today is planning plus effort equals our plans panning out. And it's really not what happens, right? That's not how life works out. And so I would ask you, what is it for you? What are those lifelong plans? What are those things in life that don't work out? I mean, maybe there's, there's small frustrating things like vacation's not working out. Or maybe there are more serious things. Like for us, when we first got married, my wife was still in college. And uh, we said, okay, we're going to let her finish her degree. She's going to get a few years of work in, uh, and then we'll start our family. Well, eight years later, we find out we can't. Or how about when we decided to build the house that we're in right now? It was perfect. It was 20 minutes from, from here, from church, only 10 minutes from where she was working. We get two months into the building process, and my wife's work transfers her to Algonac, an hour away from us, right? Or maybe even more serious than that. I, I mean, I remember growing up with my cousin, who I love dearly. She was a sister to me, really. And I just remember thinking, oh, she, you know, her and I are always going to be so close. Our kids are going to grow up together. We're going to be just, you know, just so close for the rest of our lives, only to lose her in her 20s to drugs. So what I ask for you is, what is it for you? What are those plans? And maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're smaller than that. Maybe they're bigger. Maybe they're things in your life that, you know, your marriage that you always thought would be till death do you part, and it's not. Or maybe that job that you thought you would retire in, and all of a sudden they don't have a place for you. So often our, our plans can kind of look like this picture. Pastor Tim sent me this picture this week, right? We think our plan is one way, and the reality is a few more obstacles in the way, right? A few more things going on. And so what I'd like us to do today is I'd like us to take a look at what are some, what are some reasons why our plans just don't pan out? I think there are a lot of reasons. So I don't want to oversimplify this. I don't want you to think, well, it's got to fit in one of these categories. These are just the categories that kind of speak most to me. And so I thought we would talk about these, kind of look at some examples, share some stories about that today. So one of the first things that I think can happen in our plans not panning out is sometimes we're just opposed. Now, this may seem weird to some of you, and I get it. If, if you know, you're new to church or even if you're just kind of going, you know, I don't know about the whole spiritual uh, side of things. Something we believe in, something that we really believe in is that Satan is real. And Satan really hates us. And sometimes we're just opposed. Sometimes Satan just is fighting against us and keeping us from what we are desiring and what our plans are. And for whatever reason, God lets him. And we don't know that. And, and maybe if you want to explore that a little more, you can take a look at uh, my sermon from a couple weeks ago on Job, because that definitely was one of those cases. But, you know, when we think about it, there are some things that Satan just gets in our way. And we see that in a text uh, to the Thessalonians. So here Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, telling them how he really wants to see them, right? But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Right? He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to be close with them. He wanted to be around them because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. I mean, here Paul, Paul's calling it out. Satan got in their way. Why? 
We don't know. Why did God let it happen? We don't know. This reminded me of a story I just heard from one of our members uh, this past week, uh, a couple weeks ago, who shared with me that, you know, she had just gotten uh, a job that she just thought was going to be a dream opportunity for her. She worked really hard to make it a great place uh, to work in, uh, serve, just, just did whatever she could. And then she was challenged by a friend that said, hey, you know, you should really be praying for the people that you work with. So she started her week off by going and praying for her coworkers. Now, this is before anybody else got in the office and she's praying and praying and praying. And wouldn't you know, things started to get worse in the office. And by Friday, she said, you know, I'm going to pray before my, my team lead gets in. I'm going to actually pray over her desk specifically, laid her hand on her chair and prayed for her and prayed, you know, just wholeheartedly for God to bless her. And by the end of the day that Friday, they had let her go. Without any reason, without any warning. And I, I would say, I, I'd be bold enough to say, she was opposed right? Satan saw that she was going to do something there. And for whatever reason, God allowed her to be opposed. And here's the thing. Sometimes, it is, sometimes that's the case. Now, sometimes it's not, though. Sometimes we like to blame Satan, right? The devil made me do it, and it's not. So let's be honest. There are some things that we just do that are plans just, you know, God wants to do more. So let's look at another reason. Another reason that our plans may not pan out is because simply, God simply wants to grow you. He wants to grow your faith experience more than you actually think it should be. I want you to think about this guy. There's a guy named Simon that we read about in the Bible. We don't read a lot about him. He's talked about pretty much every Easter because he's the guy that was pulled out of the crowd to carry the cross for Jesus on the way for Jesus to be crucified. Right, Mark 15, 21, they compelled, it's a very nice way of saying they forced a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. I love the fact that it points out he's the father of Alexander and Rufus, like we know who they are. We don't, but it just kind of points out here he is just kind of a normal guy getting pulled out of the crowd and going, hey, can you join this death march to carry this tool of execution for this criminal that you don't know? I mean, imagine what he thought his plans were like that day, right? Totally ruined. He couldn't, like, why am I a part of this? Why am I now a part of this death march? Why, why do I have to do this? But then imagine what he experienced after that. Imagine when he realized what he got to be a part of there. That he got to be a part of the story of the salvation of the world. And how often do we get caught up in our own plans and, and just thinking, well, this is, this is my world. This is what I need to do. This is my spiritual reality. But God goes, no, I want to expand that. I want to make it bigger than that. And I can think back to um, when I had first gotten here. My wife and I, you know, we were not too excited about getting into a small group right away. Uh, and the reason why was because at my last church, it was one of my jobs was to actually run our small group ministry. So we were in several of them, but it was really, it, you know, we loved them dearly, but it, it could feel like work, right? Because it was one more church thing to have to do. And so we wanted, you know, we just kind of avoided it. Uh, but, you know, I had this boss, uh, he's known as uh, Tim, the small group guru Bollinger. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was a little, he was a little persistent, we'll say, a little persistent. Um, some may call him a dog on a bone um, about it. And he kept after us over and over again. You need to get a small group. Why aren't you in a small group? You should get in a small group. Finally, I'm like, oh my goodness, got to get this guy to be quiet. Okay, we'll get in a small group. So um, God just orchestrated this small group, put us all together. And it was amazing. It was amazing what God did in and through that small group in a couple of years. I mean, uh, one of the couples, uh, they, all, they, were, they were pregnant with their first child uh, in our group. Uh, we had another couple who went through a miscarriage, another couple who actually adopted embryos and went through the loss of those through miscarriage. Um, we ourselves found out we were infertile uh, with that group and kind of went through that 
uh, struggle together. That couple that had a miscarriage early on, they were able to have, uh, get pregnant and have their first baby girl, who, and I'm that little girl's godfather today. All right? And some of my, and they're my best friends now because of that group. And I can tell you, God grew us spiritually. One of my best friends, it was the first time he ever prayed out loud in front of another group, was in that group. God used that, and it wasn't my plans, right? God shifted my plans because he wanted to grow us, right? He wanted to open up that opportunity. And so I just am kind of blown away anytime God does that. So sometimes our plans are that God wants to grow us. And sometimes it's kind of related. Sometimes God is just trying to bring us back in line with what he wants us to be doing. And that's kind of part of that for us. But I want you to think about it. I mean, how often do we make some plans and those plans really aren't what God would have for us. And if we're honest about it, we're actually going off track. This happened to uh, Peter. So Peter was a close follower of Jesus. And uh, here, here's what happened. Jesus is telling his disciples what's about to go down. All right, this is before his crucifixion. He says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter... Jesus' friend, follower, right? He loves him. He, he took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke Jesus. Probably a bad idea. So he's rebuking Jesus, saying, you're wrong, Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. So Jesus turned and said to Peter, oh, Peter, that's so nice of you to care about me. Thanks for loving me that way. I'm glad you don't want me to suffer. And no, he says, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of God of man. I mean, here, poor Peter, right? He's just trying to love his friend and try and say, oh, I mean, he's also being a little bold and cocky, which is kind of who Peter is. But he's saying, no, Jesus, you can't die. He couldn't imagine a plan in the world where his friend, his Lord, his Savior, his Jesus would suffer and die. He just couldn't imagine it. But Jesus swiftly comes back at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because what Peter is asking for, and he doesn't even realize it, he's basically saying, don't save the world, Jesus. Right? I mean, if, if it was me and you standing there realizing, Peter's telling him not to save us, I'd be telling him, get behind me too. Right? That's what Peter's doing. He's literally wanting, asking Jesus to deny the salvation of the world. And Jesus says, you don't get it. You're thinking about the here and now. You're thinking with a human mindset, but you're not thinking about what God has for you. So my challenge for you today would be this. What is it in your life right now that are plans that are based on your humanness, that are based on what you think, well, I just have to do this for an hour. You know, I, I don't want to cause trouble at work. I know we're not supposed to be doing things that way, but I, want to be a, I don't want to cause problems. All right? I, I mean, I'm not going to get that promotion if I'm known as a troublemaker. Or... Well, I know we miss church all the time, and I know, you know, I know we don't come, and I know my kids don't come to youth group, but man, my daughter's going to be such a great, you know, she's going to be in, in ballet, and she's going to do so, such a great job, and I, know, and I know we're missing church, but come on, I mean, she'll get to that later. She'll, she'll have that later. It's okay. But what about, I don't know, what about even financially? Well, I know we're not doing the right things. I know, you know, we're spending more money here and here, and, you know, God, I don't know if we're really giving to him, but, you know, but he understands. We'll get back to it. Even in the lessons you teach your kids. I was just reminded in between services of, uh, you know, I, I worked at um, a restaurant. It's actually where my wife and I met as a buffet. And if you've ever been to a buffet, um, you know, you charge uh, a certain price for adults, but then there's different prices for kids depending on their ages. 
right? And I remember working in the cash register so many times, and a family would walk up. I'm like, oh, how many? They would say, oh, two adults, two kids. And I'd look at the first child, and I'd say, how old are you? He'd say, eight. <laughs> you have a mustache. Are you sure? And for me, I go, man, can you just imagine what they're teaching their child right now? They're teaching him that $2 is worth lying. $2 is worth cheating someone else. $2, I wanted to pull out $2 and go teach your kid a better lesson. Right? It's $2. But how often do we get caught up in the things of this world, in our mindset, and the things that we get wrapped up in? And God's going, no. Those aren't your plans. That's not what's right for you. And sometimes he's going to shift those plans on us. And we can get frustrated. And we can get upset. But then we have to realize, oh, wait a minute. Those were never the right plans for me to begin with. And here's the reality. The other part of it is that sometimes God just has much bigger plans for you than what you've come up with. Over this past year, um, I've suffered a little bit with some depression. And uh, depression kind of causes me to not jump in eagerly to be in social settings. And it doesn't mean I don't like being around people. Once I'm around people, it's easy, right? especially you people. I love you. And so it's great to be around you, kind of lights me up. But it's getting there that can be difficult sometimes. And um, one of those times kind of came up on me a couple months ago when we had a Bibles and Brew. And I was just kind of struggling that day. And I'm like, man, I don't really want to go but I'm kind of the pastor, <laughs> I probably should. It's like I can like hide in the back corner and sip on a beer by myself, right? I mean, that would be weird. So I can't do that, so I gotta go, I gotta work the room, I gotta talk to everybody, and I'm like, oh, fine, I'll go do my job. And I, and I get there, and I, my plan was, okay, I'm just gonna try and work the room as much as I can, then get out, right? Just get home so I can just kinda, you know, chill out. And of course, you guys show up, and I love you, and so things start going well, and I'm talking to people, and of course, my plan changes, right? I don't get out of there. I end up staying there the whole night, and what's amazing about it is at that night, in that night, I got to talk to a guy named Dennis, and Dennis, just an incredible guy who we just clicked, right? We just had great conversation, just got to, um, and it wasn't like a long conversation, but something just happened. We just clicked. It even ended with him giving me a big hug, and you know, we parted ways, and just, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. And I didn't know why, until about a week later, I got a call from Dennis. Dennis was in tears. His mom, the light of his life, suddenly and unexpectedly passed away. And Dennis said, you know, I, I don't know why, but we clicked that night, and that hug, at that, at that moment, you became my pastor. Would you, would you do my mom's funeral? And so because God changed my plans, because God got me out of that funk that I was in that night and, and forced me to be there and to, to do what I needed to do, I got to experience something powerful. I got to be Dennis's pastor. I got to be a stepdad's Richard's pastor. I got to go and I got to, I got to proclaim the good news of Jesus to a room packed for his mom's funeral. I got to share with them how we're not sad because we know that his mom isn't gone, but instead it just has a new address. And then this past week, I got to go and proclaim it again as he invited me to do the funeral for his aunt who just passed away. And I look at that and I say, if, if God had let me stick with my plans, look what I would have missed out on. Look what Dennis would have missed out on. Look what everybody would have missed out on, this opportunity to share Jesus in a really difficult time. 
So here's the reality, folks. I don't know what it is about your plans. I don't know what it is that's keeping you from being able to experience your plans. Maybe it's just that you know, Satan's getting in the way, or maybe they're just not the right plans for you. Maybe God wants to grow you and give you a different spiritual experience, or maybe God just has bigger plans for you. you know, today, it's, this is actually kind of a, a change in the text that was on there um, today. But as we sang that song, The Great I Am, I don't know if you felt it, but it's happened in both services so far. There is just something powerful about that. And where that comes from, the great I am, comes from a time where a guy named Moses had murdered somebody and ran away. And his plan was to hide out in the countryside and take care of, take care of some livestock. And God shows up in a bush and tells him, go tell my people that you're going to lead them. I'm going to set them free so that God's people were under captivity. They were in slavery. And Moses, the guy whose plan was to stay out in the wilderness and take care of some livestock, is the guy that God shows up to. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. And who is God? He tells him, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's why those words are so powerful. That's why when we just sang that song together, and I pray that even at home, you were singing it as a, you're with your family as you were worshiping with us. There's so much power in that, and you know why I think? Because it's us finally breaking down and realizing that it is not about what I want. It is not about my plans. It is not about me. It is so good to finally rest in the powerful reality that God is bigger than it all. And that he is the great I am. And that is so refreshing and needed. Because no matter how much I want to be in control, no matter how much I want my formulas to work, at the end of the day, it is the great I am who is in charge. And I can rest and find peace and hope in that. Last week, Tim introduced us to Ecclesiastes. It was written by a guy named Solomon. It was one of the wisest men ever lived. This is what he wrote in Ecclesiastes 3. He says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And what I love about this truth is no matter where you are right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter how many times you feel like you're beating your head against the same brick wall of your plans just not working out, Solomon gives us a piece of very practical advice. There is a time for everything. There is a time for things to not go right. There is a time for what we would call bad. There is a time for the things in life to not work out like we want them to work out. But at the same time, there is a time for the good. There is a time for things to work out. There is a time to hope. There is a time to know and to trust that our God is good. And right after these verses, it tells us, 
In Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And so no matter where you are right now, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what plans of yours just seem to keep falling apart, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, and hopefully it's one of the four reasons and it's kind of helped you to shine some light on that. But here's what I would tell you. It's no matter what, there's a time for it. No matter what's going on right now, there is a time, and our God promises this, that he will make everything beautiful in its time. And where you are lost and where you are struggling and where you are just needing to know that your God hears you, let me tell you, he hears you. He hears your cries. He hears your desires for better. He hears your plans. And there's a time. There's a time for it to go well and time for it to not. My prayer for us today is that it's a day, it's a time that we can look at messed up plans and instead of seeing the frustrations and the messiness, we see the beauty. The beauty of messed up plans, the beauty that God pours into times like these. My hope and prayer for each and every one of us is that we are granted the patience and the peace and the comfort of knowing that no matter what's happening right now, no matter what plans are working and what plans aren't, that because of the great I am, you win. And I win. We all win because guess what? His plans never fail. And when he says that his plans, that he will make everything beautiful in its time, that plan always follows through. That plan always happens. God's plans never fall apart. And so my hope and prayer is that we can put our hope in the great I am above all else, above our own plans, above our own frustrations, above everything else that may be happening right now. Because folks, family, no matter what's happening, God's in control. God knows. God wins. So we win. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, God, because you are the great I am. You are the God who is so in charge and so in control that we can lean on you. God, when we feel so overwhelmed and so frustrated, just not knowing where to turn next, God, you You are always there. You are always in control. You are always at peace because, God, you know even what we don't. And so, God, right now I ask you to hear our prayers and our hopes, even our plans, God. I ask you just to hear them from us. Hear our frustrations. Hear, God, even where we have failed. As we we prepare our hearts for communion, God, even in this time of silence, God, I ask you to hear Hear our our confessions to you as we've messed up, as we recognize the fact that maybe we've been doing plans and going down a path that is so far from you that you have to keep messing up our plans just to bring us back. God, today I would pray that today is that day, that day that you would bring us back, that you would bring us back into your plans because, God, your plans are perfect. Where our plans are only possible, your plans are perfect. So God, give us peace in that as we proclaim and as we uh, confess these to you right now.
Thank you, God, that you didn't follow the plans that Peter had for you. Thank you, God, that you continue to walk that course to the cross. That you paid the price for every one of our sins, for everything that we've done that goes against you and your hopes and your plans for us. God, thank you for your forgiveness. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive that truth, that powerful truth today for your life today and always is that you are forgiven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.